Hello and welcome back to March Dirtbag Rugby, where we chat about everything rugby. Today, we are going to be talking about three games that happened this weekend, as well as something very exciting that we've been building up to recently. We have actually entered into a partnership with a local brewery to us here in Sussex. The brewery's name is Bedlam Breweries, so do go and check them out on their Instagram, Facebook, and on, on Google if you want to check out their website. And yes, we've been kindly given a few beers by them that we're going to open and, and do a quick review on and probably at the end of this episode. So, uh, fellas, do the honours and crack them open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> Mine's fizzy fizzy! <laughs> <laughs> so what what beers do you guys have? Oh, my days. Um, so I have a wild uh, East Coast Pale Ale. To suit your personality, Ed. Wild, mate. <laughs> it says here that it's using Simcoe and Citra hops along with fresh fruit purees. This super light, unfiltered East Coast Pale Ale explodes with bags of passion fruit and guava character. Enjoy this beer cold and with friends. Uh, Bedlam, <laughs> no Wild thanks, <laughs> Bedlam Wild is perfect for all summer occasions. So, great thing it's the middle of winter. Well, <laughs> what have you got, Mackie? And mine's the Bruhaha. Uh, Bruhaha. <laughs> so mine's like a it's a Vienna Vienna lager. Bruhaha has a rich German malt aroma, which then delivers a soft, elegant malt flavour with a smooth, crisp finish. I'd say that's fairly consistent with how it tastes. Nice. <laughs> Very what about nice. You Got the turtle recall. <laughs> Quite joke. And it's a. <laughs> Pale ale, uh, light, refreshing, um, designed to bring back memories of sandy beaches due to the floral and no- fruity notes derived from New Age noble hops, including Halatau Blanc and Huel Melon. I don't know how to say the word. This results in the aroma of tropical fruit and gooseberry, complemented with a touch of honeydew melon and even a hint of apricot. And I think it's amazing, this, amazing, amazing. It's also vegan as well, but yeah. Amazing, amazing. Nice. I do so, love the I do yeah. love the names. The names do, of these beers are hilarious. Yeah, Hello. alcoholic percentage four point four percent, so not too light, not too heavy for those of you who are interested in that aspect. <laughs> right. um, yeah, that's enough. That's enough to get me. You know, a bit <laughs> nice. Um, Your cheeks nicely stoned. <laughs> <laughs> um, so but without further ado, thank you very much to, to Bedlam for for sending us them, and do make sure you go check them out. They do have obviously a whole plethora more options for for beverages available so do go make sure you check them out and um without further ado we'll we'll get straight into the most important stuff which is of course this weekend's action in the rugby so to begin with we had the challenge cup final now this was played between bristol bears and Toulon rc and bristol it was a really closely contested game in the first half Bristol did end up running away with it a little bit. Um, strong performances from the likes of Sheedy and Malins made sure of that. So a 32-19 victory for Bristol. Fellas, Mal, if I come to you first, what do you think of the game? Yeah, it was a good game. Again, I think as we would talk about with every Bristol game, uh, Randrandra, however you say his name is, still can't get it right, is still such an influential player. And I think for 
one of Bristol's early tries, it was literally he just draws men in, which means that they just have the the space out wide for whoever to run it in, and um, yeah, just yeah, really great performance by Sheedy as well, and just overall, I think a deserved win. I think Bristol were the deserving team um, on the day. I think yeah, they just all played really well. Maxon, yeah, I just I can't really work out Bristol after lockdown. Like I, I, I just feel like one like one game they'll be outrageously good and everyone thinks they'll be definitely one of the top teams and then the next game they're terrible. Uh, but anyway, no, it was definitely the result I expected. Um, I saw some like quite funny, well, interesting posts by like, I guess I'm assuming they're a Bristol fan, essentially saying how, um, and I actually kind of understood what they're saying. They're saying how Bristol are essentially going to dominate the Prem for the next in the next like five years. Because essentially really? they got like yeah because and the, the reasons he get the person gave was fairly like valid I thought as well they're essentially saying that okay look like their training ground is like the best by a mile so they're gonna attract loads of people like they're growing at the highest rate like they have like a lot of like really good like players coming through um, they've got the biggest stadium in the prem like, obviously and I was like yeah, Gay, to be yeah. fair I, I can actually see how that's fair enough um, and also they they mentioned how um. And it was on. This was on a Sari's post, so I was like, okay, right, he's just come to troll. And then they were like, uh, a Sari's fan was like, yeah, I personally think after seeing how Malins and Benel have played for Bristol, a lot of Sari's fans don't think they're going to come back to Sari's. Really? Was, yeah, yeah, because they're just like seem to be doing so, so, so well. Like mm. as you you mentioned, Malins, like he's stand out for in the final, obviously, and he's. Apart from dropping the ball over the line in the, one of the previous games, he's been so nah, good. He is Same really good. He's what, been yeah, can I just on, yeah? Man. Can I just mention on 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 Benal? He was interviewed after the game, mm. and obviously he's still a young player. What is he like? Twenty two, twenty three tops. I just think for him to be in that uh, environment where like it's such a growing club and he's such a growing player for people like him and Max Malins, it must be honestly the best club to be at. I mean, yeah mainly because Saracens have gone down and they would have been been at Saracens. But I think they, they themselves get more opportunity in that squad for more game time than they possibly would at Saracens with all the big names they have over there or would have had if, if they had stayed up in the in the premiership. But um, yeah, Ben was just saying that, that the culture there is just absolutely unlike anything he's ever, he's ever played with before. At Bristol. Obviously, yeah, at Bristol. So Saracens obviously have this really hard-working culture all based around defence and... And you know the the, the compactness and, and the tightness of the game plan, whereas like Bristol, I think they're given much more of a free reign and to be able to express themselves, which for some players like Malins, who is actually a like, really interesting player, like quite creative, you know, isn't afraid to to kick, run, pass, you know, he could do all of that. I think you know Pat Lamb, the head coach, really gives players the the ability to express themselves on the pitch, which is absolutely fantastic and makes for great rugby to watch. I think. Mm. Yeah, um, it's an interesting one. I just don't. I can, like, if you told me as soon as they've moved, I think like the points you made are interesting, especially for Maidens, because as you say, he's really, really creative. But if you told me as soon, when they'd moved, when they moved to Bristol, that there's like a chance that they would stay, or people would even be talking about it, I'd be like, relax, that's obviously not going to happen. Obviously, that's triggered by the fact that they've actually won something. So obviously, you're going to be more likely to want to stay. But I don't know. I don't think they can actually. I think like legally they have to go back to Saris unless Saris terminate their contracts and let them go because obviously they're contracted at Saris. 
but even so, no, I thought it was interesting, and the game was, I think, a testament to to how much better Bristol have been since lockdown, and definitely the additions they've had. Run, run, as you said, Miles, pretty sick. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> with um with what's this called with the whole championship not looking like it's going anywhere at the moment. Like, surely if if they if if Bristol wanted them back, surely maybe they could even loan them out for another season, or or I don't know if like depending on how Corona and stuff goes. But I guess it has it has to whole see with that. But but yeah, no, yeah, those added players made a massive difference. To be fair, yeah, God knows what's going to go on with the championship. But I think um, I think when, just before they went out on loans, they actually signed new deals as salaries. So mm. like they extended their contracts. So I assume yeah, I assume they could go on another loan. But who knows? But anyway, it, it'll be yeah. good for their no. growth as well because obviously, seem just the player the amount of game time they're getting as like star players is really allowing them to step out of their shell and shine no 100 percent. so uh like i say 32 19 to bristol in that match so massive congratulations to bristol first bit of silverware in i think it's de- over a decade so fantastic for them and definitely a club to watch out for that's on on the rise as we mentioned before in previous episodes so um any, any comments on toulon i mean i just think they were you know not quite the force they were to be honest i think um now they have the names like Ibn Etzbeth, but I don't even think he's anything amazing Special anymore. Um, Bryce Heem did score, did score a try. He's had a really good couple of couple of games for them, I think. But other than that, I can't couldn't really comment on too. I don't really know enough about them. So, um, moving on, I think from from that from that game. Sorry, Mad, do you want to say something? No, I was just going to say Toulon weren't quite really. They didn't really step up to play, and yeah, just not really quite the. the big side that their legs their legacy of like reflects obviously um mm-hmm. so obviously yeah bristol definitely deserved the win yeah so congratulations to bristol moving on then to our second final of the weekend the which was an game. extraordinary match between um extra chiefs and racing 92 obviously a bit of a clash of the titans so the one of the top teams europe um in europe over the last few decades compared with exeter who have actually this is their first ever champions cup final and they were only promoted to the to the premiership 10 years ago so the growth in that in that club is incredible um now i was actually at work during this game last night and couldn't watch all of it because i was taking calls but i did catch the last 15 minutes so someone who did watch the game i think max and maggie you both did can you please walk us through maybe tell us a scoreline tell us some key moments and and what what you guys thought of the game What's the, what's the final score? Was it like 31-27? That was it, yeah. So Exeter yeah. won it. So congratulations to Exeter. Yeah. Um, obviously, first final, first win. Yeah. Maliki, maybe maybe talk us through some key moments. Well, first of all, I actually thought this was probably one of the best games of rugby I've seen in, like, in a really long time. Like, actually, the most entertaining rugby. Like, which is quite surprising for... Because like, obviously we joke about <laughs> Exeter being such a boring side. But I think just them, they did also... It was so competitive between them and Rassing and Rassing just well so, are so good to watch with the likes of Russell Vakatawer and um what's it called Imhoff play pretty well as well just, they're just pretty sick team to be honest but yeah I think it it, it was Exeter seemed to be leading quite at the beginning I remember about the what we were uh, on text at the beginning of Max and said that he thought Exeter were going to win by a long way. That <laughs> was Ed <laughs> said that. No, it was me. I was said, that Ed? I said, oh, I thought that was Max. I, I, I had I had it on in the background and then I had to turn it off. 
and then like ratting a comeback like extra had scored a two tries or something at the beginning and i was like oh extra are gonna run away with this i reckon they're literally camped in the 22 mm. um and then and then obviously ratting came back and scored a couple of tries and it was suddenly like basically missed the best bit of the game which is quite annoying <laughs> but yeah at the same time like you know, I was a bit surprised by how well Racing responded and 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 scored. That I think it was Imhoff that's got the first try. Mm. I think Zemo got the first and, one and when, in the corner. Yeah, yeah when Imhoff they, got the pick and go from the yeah, nine position. When yeah. they scored that, you could really see the passion um, and like the determination in that team, like not to give up, even though Exeter had literally been camped for the first 10, 15 minutes in their twenty-two, and that pressure, you know, they just turned it. They turned it um, into an attacking opportunity, which was pretty mental um can someone explain to me how simon zebo breaks so many tackles though because literally he's like not like he literally like his shirt like hangs off him i swear like (laughs) (laughs) no offense to him but like he was like definitely like one of the best players on the pitch yesterday got two tries and literally was breaking tackles like man i just don't understand how he does it because He's not like he does that like pirouette, like turns. I think he's in. rapid. I think yeah. he's just quick. He's he's probably so much quicker than he looks on the telly. Yeah, yeah. see what I mean. Like in, and... in Ireland, you have to play in Ireland to play for Ireland. Is that rule, or or, you, or is it anyone? Because um, obviously, like yeah, like I'm pretty sure you do. Yeah. I think you might, yeah. Which is why they all play for Leinster and Munster yeah. and Ulster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, cause they're good good teams anyway. But... but anyway, just to allow my opinion on the game, I don't know. I thought Exeter, obviously they went up early, which I, I to be fair, you, Ed did post that into the chat, but I did also agree. I thought that they would win by a fair amount. And I agree that I was surprised by how well Racing came back. I think they were, Racing were, like, it was quite clear they were getting carried by, in my opinion, by like Russell and Zebo, like who were essentially just like running the game for them. And also in the forwards, I thought, um, was it Camille Shat? was like really yeah, he's, he's really so good. good he is so good what the really, hell really good um and obviously you could see in the first try i think it was a uh, russell like cut out pass to zebo who was just like take just like beat the um extra wing on the outside and scored in the corner it's a pretty good try i thought um and then imov's little show and go got them back in the game one thing i was i didn't understand though is why did why did Racing not go for a drop goal in like the 76th minute and they were losing by one point? They That's literally what I was thinking, mate. I think it must have been they just wanted to try secure because they were. They, I think oh, they just sorry. thought they had it. They just wanted to go for the try, so they had to score a try to. You you still got five minutes after the game, yeah. And then, like, yes, extra have got a yellow card, but then, I just think even if even if they had gone for the drop goal and had scored those points there's still a massive opportunity Exeter's so good defensively that if they had kicked off and gone back you still got five minutes there to concede a penalty and then you know suddenly true, Exeter true. have a chance but, for a kick at goal which they did anyway yeah yeah so, but the chance of I that happening say, uh, the chance uh, of that happening compared with the chance of losing the ball on their line when you're still losing the game I think it's yeah. definitely worth taking the risk. It's, yes, it's so mm. much less. Who knows? It's so much lower. It's like, it's like yeah, lower risk for um to take the drop goal, get in front, keep the momentum, and then it's extra chasing the game rather than. And they're a man down yeah. and have to try yeah. and turn yeah. the ball over from you and then win a penalty and score the points. Yeah, Russell just didn't look like he wanted the, it at all though. The, the the key the key moment the key moment of the game obviously was during that seventy sixth minute or whatever. That, that kind of late period of drama where Racing were like knocking on the door of, of the Exeter Chiefs try line and then 
of all the people on the pitch that you don't expect to come up with a massive turnover, it's Hidalgo Klein, the extra substitute scrum half, who comes up with a massively important turnover for the Chiefs and basically changes the game and, and Slade's able to knock it down into the, into the opposition half. They get a penalty on, on um, halfway and, and knock it over. But can I just say, Nigel Owens, what was all that confusion at the end of the game? <laughs> I was so confused. Basically, what happened was... I, yeah, no. Do you know I, what I, happened? I, yeah, I know what happened. So basically, <laughs> they, he, he called the penalty. X2 are faffing around over Classic. it for quite a long time, thinking about what they were going to do, obviously, because that's what you do when you're you know, one point up in the final and you've got a minute left. You faff around a little bit, don't you? No, because, so, Ed, you know they Nigel Owens, kicked a goal and taken the entire minute. Yeah, but Ni- Nigel Owens stopped the clock and then said, we'll add five seconds on at the end. And then when he said watch on, they didn't put the watch on. So, and then there was this conversation between Nigel Owens and the TM- TMO and it was like, oh, was the match finished? Technically, no, but we added five seconds on so it would have been finished. I think... No, 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 that's not, why. Simmons, that's not why. Joe Simmons is an idiot because he... <laughs> he should have just taken a bit longer and you could see Rob Baxter at the end like he was like why haven't why haven't you taken the full minute like you literally had another 30 seconds in order to take the kick and I mean he knocked it over it was a seriously impressive kick under that much pressure but at the same time like take an extra 10 seconds and the game's definitely over yeah I don't know yeah. what I don't know but no what no Ed what happened what actually happened was so he said okay stop the clock or like take the clock back five seconds because they're wasting time and then what he did was he said, okay, start the clock in five seconds. And he went, one, two, three, four, five, start the clock. And he didn't start the clock. And then obviously the time wasn't up, but technically from when he said start, it was. But then again, also, like Austin Healy, I think it was in commentary, was really annoying me. Because he was essentially just like, okay, yeah, look, they just need to take up the minute and kick it dead. Like, just kick it off the pitch. And like, what he didn't realise was essentially if you... um. Like if you don't attempt, if it's not a clear attempt to kick it over the post, then it's a penalty to the other team. So, like, for example, that essentially what happened was um, people used to, like, say that they were taking a penalty yeah, and then do, like, cross-field of... kicks yeah. to people, which obviously, like, you can't do. That's, like, so, illegal. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like, he obviously, like, and Austin Healy just, just kick it dead, just kick it dead. Shut up, Austin Healy. You actually clearly do not understand. I think, I think, what I think personally, what what he (laughs) meant from from what I watched, because I obviously I did manage to catch the last fifteen minutes. Obviously, the most exciting part of the game. What from what he said, I think he meant it. He it needs to be like a big kick, and he needs to try and get it as far over the dead ball line, past the post as possible, even if he misses the posts. I think that's what he meant. It needed to be like a huge kick essentially in in the direction of the post so that he made sure that if yeah. he missed it it went dead over the over the back of the dead ball line further further forward than the post to ensure that Racing didn't get a chance to counter essentially i think that's what he meant obviously not kick it yeah. out, out of the pitch um off the touchline but then that if you been... want to... yeah yeah i know i know but if you wanted to be safe you deliberately miss so that you don't hit the post because that's the no, risk but there's, right? uh, if you're kicking yeah, that but, kick that you might like, hit I don't the know. post that's kind of unsportsman, unsportsmanlike, isn't it? I think I think Joe Simmons also like, you know, he's extra captain, and he did, yeah, he just had a he had another really solid game. Obviously, really showed his class, and to slot that kick from that far out under pressure, 
and also kick it dead to make sure that they, you know, could encounter. You know, there's quite a lot of stuff going through your mind, isn't there? I think that's seriously impressive. And um, massive credit. I think it was he was a worthy um, person to, to have the final touch of the ball because he's basically, you know, been the heart of X2 all season. He's been that, that player that's constantly played well. I mean, there are other, other players, obviously, we could pick out Slade. Noel had a really good game. I think Johnny Hill is one of the up-and-coming England second rows, and he should definitely get a, ch a chance um, in an England shirt soon because he's played seriously, seriously well. He's everywhere for Exeter. But I think Joe mm -hmm. Simmons is just at the heart of that. He's the link between all the forwards and the, all the backs. He always makes the right decisions. He's good off the, off the boot. I still don't think he's better than like Farrell, maybe, but you know he's certainly up there. I'm not. I'm not even sure if he's better than Marcus Smith, but he just seems to work so well in that Exeter team and and you know does lead by example doesn't make many mistakes and he's just a yeah. really good player i think i'd rather have him than mark i'd rather have him than marcus smith but i'd rather have george ford and owen farrell, farrell. how many players from the extra team do you think are going to make the england squad then not loads because surely I don't think they loads. have to surely they ha they've won the hot the, the europe they're the best club in europe now surely they have to have like sarah england squad was sarah's dominated like the last years because obviously they were the best side in europe so surely Eddie has to pick the likes of Joe Simmons, the likes of Sam and Sam Simmons, Slady. I think Noel. they'll they'll make the squad, but I think with the starting squad, I think also because those players still haven't had that much experience. Hmm. Like, uh, like Joe Simmons hasn't even got a cap yet. Sam Simmons has only had a few, like less than ten. So I think you know, there's definitely there's definitely squad places for them, but I'm not sure still when you have players like. Uh, you know, like Billy V and Jack Willis and Tom Curry and Underhill, is there a space for someone like Sam Simmons in the back row? Not really, to be honest, mm. because, you know, despite Exeter being the best team overall, Jack Simmons has got young... Hasn't he got young player of the season and also player of the season? Who? Who's Jack, uh, Jack Jack Willis. Jack Willis, Jack, sorry. Oh, Jack no, Willis, getting, yeah. Jack <laughs> Willis. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, was sorry. I'm getting yeah, really yeah. confused. He won, like, everything <laughs> Yeah, he Jack, won everything. Jack so, Simmons. like, surely, surely, Jack based Simmons. on individual performance, you choose him. Yeah, I think. So I don't know. I think yeah, Jack Simmons also... should go on the bench for England. Mm. Jack, yeah, Jack, <laughs> good player, good player. Jack Willis <laughs> should start for England, mate. Jack Willis nah, should start. start. No, mate, he should. He's too good not to. He's actually too good. But also, Finn Russell for Lions. Anyone? No. What? I'm more convinced. I'm more convinced now, yes, after watching the final. Him and Farrell, surely the the two picks for Lions. Surely. Now that two laggies out as well, possibly, yeah, to be fair. Farrell at 12. Russ, it, like, Russell's in the same vein of so form. so much flair. In, he's in the same vein of form, possibly, that, that, Sexton, that Sexton was when Sexton got picked for the Lions and they played that 10-12 axis with Sexton and Farrell. So I think, yeah, there's definitely that possibility... Um, and obviously, like you say, Russell has a lot more flair than someone like Sexton, so it could add a bit of creativity. There was actually one point that I wanted to mention about the, the final, where you know how in the semi, Russell uh, chipped it over and Vakatawa caught it and mm. gave it to him off, and it was that m massively amazing final try. They actually tried exactly the same move about with about, what, seven, seven six minutes to go. And, uh, and they nearly pulled it off. But I think um, someone stepped in. I don't know which extra player it was. Someone stepped in and took an amazing, did an amazing read, basically, of the play. Saw it happening. And I think if Vakatawa finds that, 
you know, finds that ball and gets in space after the chip kick, Racing run through and score. So whoever that was, can't remember in particular, might have been Slade. Mm. Um, yes, lady. <laughs> what yes, a play. Lady. That basically won the game, I think. Yeah, 100%. I don't know. Obviously, X, I think extra fully deserving, as much as that pains me to say. Yeah, but like they've been, they've they have been absolutely exceptional. That being said, I th- I think they have had a fairly a fairly easy ride, and I'm not taking anything away from them. But like the only wait, who do they play in the semi again? Is it Toulouse? Toulouse, Toulouse, and who everyone had to that uh, everyone had Toulouse to win it. Yeah, Toulouse, Toulouse was the informed was side before game. lockdown. No, no, Leinster, Leinster were on to win it. Uh, I just think, I think okay, no, first, no, even 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 like Monier and people after the game said that that you know. To lose, to lose were probably favourites because of the likes of Colby and Kano nah, and all that. Nah, lot. Leinster were always favourites, mate. Because okay, and they were also at home. They were playing, so they played their quarter and their semi both at home. Their quarter was against Northampton Saints, and their semi was against Toulouse. Fair enough, but if you're at Sandy Park, you're gonna win. And then all they had to do is just win one game against Racing, who arguably I remember when, what, when we did the review of the semi, like an, an informed Racing mate, side, an though, like Racing, a really good Racing. They scrape past Saris, and that's like a half. And Saris are really yeah, good. Saris are a really good side. You can't yeah, put Saris. No, Saris didn't. Saris didn't have Farrell and all the people that have left. Yeah, and but you still got a mass, massive, still good player, squad. massive players. Like I don't, I don't understand. You still got like masses of England players, and like no, still, I'm just I would saying, say half think, the squad. Half the squad is England standard. I'm just saying, I think I think they had a fairly easy ride. Like for example, if Saris had made if Saris had made it to the final, then they would have had to beat Leinster first, then Racing, then Toulouse or Exeter, which is like way harder and all away. But do you not think that they could have done that? I think they probably could have. Yeah, no, or Exeter. Yeah. No, because Exeter shit away from home. <laughs> well, they literally won the Champions Cup final away from home. No, because it was a, a it was a. a um, wasn't at Bristol. Yeah, wasn't it? Or was Ashton it Twickenham? Gay. Was it? Or was it? Oh, no, maybe... it wasn't at Twickenham. No, I yeah. think it was at Ashton Gate. Okay, well, it, that's a that's a common location. Like, there's no advantage to either side. Yeah, so, I don't away don't know. from home. Anyway, shall we move on to the Bledisloe game? Yeah, one hundred percent. So obviously, early in the early hours of this morning, uh, at the time of recording, it is obviously Sunday when we record this so in the early hours of this morning we had another fantastically intense test match between the Wallabies and the All Blacks at Eden Park which has become in well not become it's always been a fortress for the All Blacks and um, we had a really really good game there Australia unfortunately lost 27-7 so the All Blacks came out on top um, I think as most people expected and I think yeah Basically, from my point of view, the All Blacks were uh, uh, like injured from from last week, like really well injured. Um, what's it called? Ego, basically. And they thought, "Nah, we're gonna win this one," and came out hard and strong. And I think people, you know, questioned the change in the starting lineup. Um, they brought in new players such as Caleb Clark for his first start for the All Blacks, and by far and away the standout player on the pitch he was like insane made breaks here there and everywhere scored a, didn't he score a try he scored a mad try or something i don't know yeah but... i can't remember but he, he's just making he's beating he like nine players and he's just like literally just bouncing players like left right and center like, i think me and ed we were talking about this a bit before the pod and you were saying he's like the new Julian surveyor when he was in his prime like he mm. just seemed really good like quick big like just so hard to take down 
and yeah, deadly on the wing. Yeah, I mean he beat so he beat nine defenders. The next best was Bowden Barrett with five. So I mean, pretty sick. He had the most running meters out of anyone on the pitch. How many? Seventy-three. That's yeah. still pretty good in a, in a massive yeah. test match when you're He's making your still first so goal. young as well. He made three clean breaks. Is he our age? I think he's like either our age or like, yeah, he's he's definitely around our age. That's kind of embarrassing. And his for legs us, are absolutely not. like yeah. tree trunks, and he's rapid as well. <laughs> Do you want to hear the most annoying thing about Caleb Clark? He's, he's actually a really really nice individual as well. well. Why would that be annoying? I quite like what I quite like watching him. <laughs> the fact that he's nice makes it extra good to watch. Is he an annoyingly perfect person? You know, like, this is why. This is, <laughs> <laughs> why, like, I don't know. You don't you don't like watching absolute twats on the pitch, really, do you? You can tell those players. I'm not going to name any names. Obviously, don't want to call it. Oh, go on, Ed. You can tell players. Name one. That are name literally one. Like, go on, Ed. Name one. Name one. Come on, Ed. Who is it? Jacob Umaga again. No. Or Peter Stephen Twat. No. Like people who are just niggly and get get under your skin, like Dane Cole, um, <laughs> <laughs> and just just look like a. A bit of like a you know someone he wouldn't really want want to make friends with probably, but um, no, Caleb, I just Caleb, think... be my friend. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that he's like a nice guy as well, and he interviews well, and he's just a nice bloke, like makes him extra likable. And the fact that he's playing rugby so well makes him even more likable. So you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's doing really well, and he's obviously a Blues player, which we love. And um, yeah, I think he's he's probably going to do do a surveyor and end up getting a lot of tries. Hopefully, be one of the stars of that New Zealand team in the coming years. Yeah, I think that is. Their bench true. was is actually stupid. Go on. Who is it? So their bench was Cody Taylor, um, Alex Hodgman, Nepo Laulala, Scott Barrett, Hoskins Tutus, TJ Perinara, TJ Perinara, Peter Umaga Jensen, and D Mac. D Damon McKenzie. Yeah, mate, they're pretty good. They've got the most outrageous man- amounts of depth in their squad, and um, it shows because they could literally change like most of their team around and just still basically win. They had a couple of people missing. I think one of their front rowers, the one of their sub front rowers, they had to bring Alex Hodgman in um, to replace one of them, and he's he's someone who hasn't really played that much international rugby. I don't think if if he's even had a cap, or that might have been his first cap. So to have people like that come in and then still perform like ridiculously well and, and still stay out the game and win it convincingly. I mean, 27-7, that's a 20-point margin. That's quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's just really interesting, I think, um, what's your, seeing the depth that they have. Yeah, what's your guys' opinion on... I guess, like, it's clear to see from the squad that they've picked that they are picking on form, which I think is really, really cool. Like, Hoskins, Satutu's getting a chance. Like, Cadel Crocs actually starting for the All Blacks. Shannon Frizzell. Shannon Frizzell. Like, what do you, the back row. How do you guys think that differs from the Northern Hemisphere? And do you think, like, it disadvantages the Northern Hemisphere size that I feel like they pick on legacy far more than actual form? Yeah, I think it's coming more of a thing that players are being picked on form especially well in northern hemisphere because i think when they're all playing in the in the super rugby with just new zealand players they can see who are the best players in new zealand like i guess you could well that's kind of stupid point they they, they all play they all play with they all play with each other week in week out so they know who works well together and and but then again we should be saying the same for in for the premiership because every english player is playing in the same league as well yeah so why are they why why are not the best players in england the most informed players in england being picked like I yeah guess Joe this Simmons, is what i mean he's... i think i spoke about it before 
sorry, I interrupted you, Mal. But like, for example, no. if like Willis, I know Mal, you're calling for him to start. Oh, I mean, he won't start, I don't think. But like, if he was Wait. if he was in New Zealand playing that well, like without it's a like doubt, Frizzell, he'd be in the England Frizzell. squad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, literally. It's stupid. He, he literally and has like, to start. The game yeah. double the amount of turnovers than anyone else. In yeah. at least and we think that like month. Curry and Underhill like beasts or whatever. And then Jack Willis is doing that and literally mate. he's just he's just in the absolutely same incredible. But I think like okay, let let's let's look at let's look at someone different. Okay, let's look at the number eight position. Bit of Vunapola. Personally, I don't think he's been in the best of form recently. Mackie, you said it the other day in one of yeah. our recent episodes, saying that he wasn't really in the same vein of form as he was maybe like two, three, four years ago when we were playing against Australia and we won that three nil um tour or whatever and and it's and it's like you know why would you not pick someone like alex dombrand who's literally having some of the best games of his career already for quinn okay, okay. he's literally in such but, good form but i think the and difference... then and then i think it just goes back to your point about legacy and like yes billy vinopo's had that experience and he's still really reliable but when you've got someone exciting like alex dombrand surely he he could build up to have that legacy and have that they yeah. need to just be given game time really I yeah think. that's that's the thing so like for example also, I think this is a side different situation because, like, with Billy Vinopola, I think he's playing bad by... Or he's not playing to his best form by his standards. But, like, if he was new on the scene versus Don Brandt and you both saw how both of them were playing, I reckon you'd be like, wow, mad. Like, yeah, definitely Billy Vinopola, 100%. But he was also not playing as much as Don Brandt. So I think that's part of to do with it as well. But also, I think you have to take into consideration, like, the in the big games like who do you start so i think that mal that you said is it's about giving them game time when like when you can so for example like you'd want to play someone like don brandt like in like a shittier six nations game wait 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 so so you're telling me that the all blacks versus the wallabies is not a big game (laughs) no but it's a three because they've started they've started they've started Shannon Frizzell in both games, yeah, yes, and he's correct. a completely new new on the scene. He's had two seasons in Super Rugby, yeah. Yeah, which is fine. You and can do that. Feel free to do that when you have um, Adi Save and Sam Kane in the back row with him, sure. But if you're then saying, okay, right, let's look at this. Let's start the form players, okay? Let's start Willis and Dombran and Benno. Three people that haven't don't have as as much international experience. You can't, you can't be doing that. Yeah, you can't play. Well, all I agree. I think they thrive, player. though. I think they. I think they thrive. I, I don't think, think I they think would. Having... You have to also think about the chemistry of the players who have already been playing together. I think it's good to bring in one player. So with the back row, have maybe two of them as the experienced players, and then bring in one because then you're also building your depth and stuff. But yeah, I exactly. think it is interesting. I think I. I, I don't know. I, I. don't. I'm not all the way like yeah. Give give the new players their chance and just start all the new players. But then again, I'm not all the way, um, you know, just pick the most reliable ones who have had 50 caps for England already. I yeah, think, it, I think yeah. it's I think you have to find that cool medium. And I think, yeah, definitely giving Jack Willis a chance over anyone else, seeing as he has performed so well, um, would definitely be the route to go, probably. Yeah, yeah. And then make, obviously keeping Billy, Billy V. But I'm um, going back to the Bledders, though, match. I think that there is one person from Australia who I would like to mention who was back in the fold. He hadn't played for a while. Um, and his name is Jordan Pitaya. We actually mentioned in our first ever episode of Much Ado About Rugby as one of the young players to watch. He was on Surya McGeekin's list of young players to watch. And I'm not sure if anyone saw him bounce. Um, I think it was 
one of one of the all back centers like Lynette Brown or Goodshaw or something, he literally destroyed him. And I think other than that, outside of that, he also had a really good game attacking wise and chucked a couple of really nice offloads. So definitely young people to watch out for for Australia. Um Ned Hannigan came back into the fold, had a really solid game in in, in the back row. Um and I think Australia uh, yeah, they're in that rebuilding stage, but they're still, you know, they're honestly if england played australia now i'd still be a bit worried they're they're like like in recent years i haven't been worried when we played australia but now i would be you know yeah 100 percent. yeah all right so i guess that about wraps it up for our three three game review um before we go fellas we've been drinking these obviously all episode what did we make of them what's the verdict yeah very nice and light for this one yeah i mean it is one o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. I'm not sure how appropriate the timing was for drinking, but I must say my one went down extremely easily. Yeah, that and, wild um, one is very I would nice. 100% have another one right now. However, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't think that's probably sensible. I've already eaten, so... I would definitely um, have another one looking around his table. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Where's uh, the wait, other one? It can't, it can't all be gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so yeah, do go check out Bedlam Breweries and um, yeah, go and follow them on Instagram, Facebook, as well as going to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, obviously, at Much Do Our Rugby is our tag. Um, do go and check us out on YouTube if you're listening on Spotify, and do go and um, check us out on Spotify if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you all in the next one. Have a nice one. Bye. Rugby.